It's fantastic to be here with you today. And, uh, you know, I, I get the incredible privilege to travel around our different campuses and to see what God is doing. Over the last um, couple of weeks, we've seen some great things happen. And, uh, you know, last year I was in Vanuatu. Uh, I went there to sort of spy out the land. We've got quite a bit of work, missional work happening there. Our Victory Campus um, has a school there called Victory School. Uh, actually, in a couple of weeks' time, Pastor Steve Maisie will be here, the campus pastor down here, and he's an amazing guy. I'm going to get him, get him to fill you in on some of the things that are happening there. But, uh, you know, last year I was there, and I really felt in my heart that we were to expose and give an opportunity to our young people uh, to do some missional work. How many of you believe that's a really good thing? Sometimes when we think of missions, uh, we just think it's for the older people. But I believe there's an army of young people that God is raising up to do missions. And so when I got back, we, as you know, we do the Hope Tour here, which is a, a mission-based concept to go into different schools. This year again in June, Pastor Charles will be heading that up. We're going to 22 schools and see God do some amazing things. Connected to that is what we call our History Makers Conference, where about four to 500 kids come together. And it's really a training ground. It's an opportunity for young people to really be raised up and last year I was talking to Mason who heads that particular um, you know conference up he's only 24 years old one day I'm going to get Mason to come and preach here he's 24 years old and to see what God is doing through his life and his wife Jess is absolutely amazing I said you know Mason I really believe it'd be great for you to take a team and get an opportunity to do something missional in Vanuatu. Well, last week they took a team of apostolic young people in different apostolic churches uh, representing our movement to Vanuatu and see some great things happen. Now, Gene represented our church here. So, Gene, why don't you come up here? Why don't you give him a big, big hand as he comes? And Gene's come to Singapore with me. We also were glad that he went to Vanuatu. And uh, so, Gene, tell us a little bit about what happened in, in Vanuatu. Yep. So the whole trip was just a massive blast full of highlights. And uh, like Nick was saying, that we've done History Makers plenty of times in Benigo, and it's a massive highlight for our youth and myself. Um, so it was just absolute privilege just to go over there and um, take conference to the people of Vanuatu. Um, where was I going with it? <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Um, yeah, some of the highlights I was going to say was um, one, my main role to go over there was to look after nine young people, you know, nine young missionaries from our church, um, just to look after them and um, do that. But, man, it was amazing to see because they just raised up to their roles and they, they served from their heart and just, um, just with great maturity. So really, I had the easiest job because I didn't have to do anything because they just did everything. <laughs> but it was able, I was able to focus on um, facilitating with the uh, History Makers uh, Conference. And um, yeah, it just ran so smoothly and, um, and just really amazing. Great to see the response that we had. Um, a few more highlights were going to see the village of Black Sands and um, the Victory School of Hope, which is up there, which is, this here is the village of Black Sands and some of the kids in the village. And, man, they just melted my heart. They were just so gorgeous, so beautiful kids. And um, the teachers there really, really cared. Um, it was just incredible to see. And when they welcomed us in, it was like family. You know, they, they said, these, these guys are here from the church, from the Victory Church. 
um, we partner them and um, they just introduce us uh, family and just welcome us in. It was just amazing to see. And there was about 200 kids of the, in the school. Pretty much most of them showed up to the conference that we had. We had about 270 there the first night and they were just so hungry to experience God. And uh, we found out afterwards that they've never had that kind of a response from the, the people of Vanuatu. When Mason preached the first night, he did a salvation altar call. We had at least 100 of them up there. And, like, so many of the little kids were right up the front. So, like, as young as, like, uh, five or six, they just kind of crowded to the front. And around the back, we had the adults. So you can kind of see there that you can't see any of the little kids just because they're so up the front. But all these adults came up because they wanted to respond as well. So we had uh, people from young to old um, come to respond to the, the salvation message. So they reckon that in the past that they've never seen that kind of a response. Like they're, they're quite shy and they might have only had one or two, but we had about 100 up there. So it was just amazing to see. And Mason did an awesome job. The team did an um, incredible job. Um, for me... It was so good to kind of be there just for myself. Um, I was meant to go with Charles, but he um, unfortunately had to pull out um, with other commitments. So I was there, and um, it was a great experience for me to kind of just come out of my comfort zone and um, just press into God. And um, when I was praying for young people, it was amazing to see God use me. And as I prayed, there was um, some, young, some young people um, slain the Spirit, which was a massive first for me, and it just was incredible to see that through me that God was just able to use the Holy Spirit to touch some of these guys and have experience, and that the young people now, they have, they've had a massive experience with God that they can take away with them and just um, really hold on to, and it was an amazing opportunity just to be with the, the Church of Vanuatu and help train them as we did the conference as well and have them have their skills to do church a little bit better, so... Fantastic. Give him a big hand. Thank you so much, Gene. And uh, I believe, I think Prince Charles was visiting Vanuatu and uh, some of our team actually got to shake his hand. Unfortunately, Gene wasn't quite dressed appropriately and he was taken to another place. But uh, it's amazing that some of these kids get some incredible opportunities. And, and, you know, that's what really this is about, is creating opportunity for our younger generations. You know, the danger is that... Uh, do you know that we could miss generations of effectiveness of Christ and, and we have a real desire to see that we make sure that we don't just uh, you know, equip them but we give them opportunity. And uh, one of the things that we're talking about with Mason um, and with Jess about History Makers is Vanuatu was a little bit of a stepping stone. Uh, we're looking to see if uh, we can take History Makers uh, to, to Singapore because we've got a base there and possibly even take them to Europe. And I think that will be an incredible opportunity for our young people. Who knows what God wants to do? And there's some great things happening all over the place. This morning, I, I did see uh, Stephanie. Actually, you, you're over here. I haven't seen you for weeks and weeks and weeks. Great to see you out of hospital. I'm not sure how Jeremy is going, but I hear he's, he's pretty well coming out soon. And, and I just, in two weeks' time, fantastic. Can we give God a hand of praise for that? You know, it's been a huge journey. And also to, to have Mel and Judd here. And Mel, look at you. You're in church. Uh, what an incredible miracle. Let's give God praise for that. That, you know, we keep moving forward in what God 
is doing. You know, this morning I want to just share some thoughts with you and this thought has been, um, you know, pretty well in my heart for the last couple of weeks and, um, you know, Pastor Greg and Pastor Charles uh, keep me in touch with what's happening in this campus and, you know, I know many of you have been through some challenges, you know, over the last couple of months and there's, there seems to be like uh, some things happening that through some storms and some crisis but I just want to say this that God is on the throne and that he knows what he is doing and so today um, I want to talk about the reversals of life I want to talk about when things don't quite go as you had planned and uh, you know it's interesting because this this is actually a biblical pattern the reversals of God or the reversals of life uh, are really a, a biblical and, and spiritual pattern in the Bible and most probably the person that we can relate to when we talk about reversals in life is the young man called Joseph who in Genesis chapter 37 to 49 you read his story and I would encourage you today that if life seems to be going in the opposite direction to your declaration and to the promises that you feel are on your life let me tell you that God knows all about it it does not take him for surprise and actually many times it's part of the process of unlocking uh, the promises that God has for your life. Do you know, I don't know about you, but um, one of my observations is that whenever I've made a declaration of faith, uh, who's ever made a declaration of faith and you've declared some things in the spirit over your life or over your family life or over your circumstances or, you know, many times I make declarations over this church and over our churches. If you've made a, a declaration of faith or if you've taken a stand for God on his word or if you carry a prophetic promise like we all do, we all carry promise and we all carry God's purpose or God has given you a God-given dream not your own dream but a God-given dream you know many times as you make those declarations just like Joseph did as you begin to declare the prophetic promises over your life many times what happens is the the actual uh, re revelation that God has given you goes into reverse who knows what I'm talking about Who's ever experienced the reversals of life? When you boldly make those declarations, when you boldly begin to confess and process what God wants to do, and all of a sudden things seem to go backwards. And as they start seem, seeming to go backwards, it seems like fear and confusion and doubt all seem to flood your world like never before. Joseph had this experience. And like I said, if you're going to understand something about the promises and the reversals of God, God reveals, he reverses, and he does restore. Thank God that he's a restoring God. But you know, when you're in the middle of the reverse, all sorts of things begin to flood your mind. And sometimes it's interesting that Joseph has these two dreams that are so prophetic and really they reveal the purpose of God on his life and as he makes the declaration of these promises his brothers it's like all hell breaks loose and his life goes into a reversal the two dreams of destiny of promise 
bring him to a prison. And today, I really felt that some of you might be feeling like you're in a prison. Some of you might be feeling like, you know what, the promises and what we've been believing for, particularly at the start of this year, as we began to declare the favor of God upon our churches. Maybe you're looking at it and thinking, do you know what, the things that we're declaring right now, all I see is the opposite. Let me tell you, you are in a godly place. It's okay because you're going to get through it. Do you know, um, one time I, I remember listening to a message and this pastor was talking not particularly about reversals but just sometimes about promises and he, made this, he gave this great analogy of a, an arrow and you know the Bible says that we are arrows in God's hands and how many of you know that when an arrow is shot it is put in a bow but its first action is that it goes it's drawn backwards and friends sometimes you know in the reversals let me say this don't get caught in the confusion of it but see that God has got you in his bow and he might be pulling you back and the further back he's pulling you let me tell you he has a target and the day will come where he will push you forward come on could you give God a hand of praise for that today? And so I want to speak to you today because, you know, we need to understand how God develops us, how God develops the processes of the promise. Every promise must go through a process. There's a reason that God puts us through these processes. It's not to give us pain, but let me say this, that pain is God's shovel to dig the character in our life deeper. I don't like it, but let me tell you, do not confuse the hand of God at work in your life when the declaration of promise happens. Let me just quickly give you three things that we need to understand that happens when you make declarations, when you begin to believe for breakthrough, when you begin to to believe, you know what, I'm going to break the limitation over my life. I'm going to break the limitation of my past. I'm going to break the limitations of what people have said about me. But I'm going to begin to declare what God says. I'm going to begin to declare what God wants to do. I'm going to begin to declare what God has put in my life. The first thing we need to understand, the moment you make a declaration, the moment that you take a stand, the moment that you begin to declare the promises of God over your life, there's a disturbance of the spiritual status quo over your life. You disturb the spiritual status quo. Let me tell you that there is an enemy and the devil wants to keep you in a place of unfruitfulness, a desert. He wants to keep you in a wilderness, but God wants to bring you into fruitfulness. He wants you to grow and see great fruitfulness in your life. And the moment you make a declaration, because your words are spirit. See, we live in a physical world. And, and let me tell you this, that not everything that we see with our physical eyes is actually happening. But when you begin to declare something... It's your words that are powerful because your words are spirit and they bring life. And the moment that you begin to make declarations, let me tell you, I have made a lot of declarations over my life and, and I have been through some reversals. When I was very, very young, I did not understand the reversals, but I understand they're part of the process of God building and shaping and releasing his purpose. But you know, you might have heard the saying, let sleeping dogs lie. Who's ever heard? of that saying let sleeping dogs lie and one of the meanings of that actual phrase it means if don't awaken a dog when he's asleep because he might bite you now I don't like dogs 
Um, and many of you know, it's, it's really funny because when I actually go to visit people in our church, the first thing I, I try to find out is if they've got a dog. And if they've got a dog, I say to them, could you please put the dog outside while I visit you? You know, I, I think that you should put the guests first. How many of you believe that? And um, I just don't like dogs. I'm not a dog person. And if a dog was asleep, I definitely would not disturb the dog. Um, but, you know, there, there, there's something about this. This is quite profound. Because, you know, our, our words, when we begin to declare things in the spirit, what happens is that our declarations begin to unsettle the spiritual atmosphere over our life and over our situation. And sometimes we get afraid to make those declarations or move out in the promises of God because we know we're going to disturb something in the spiritual atmosphere. Did you know when we planted this church here, we disturbed the spiritual atmosphere in this area? And if you think that the devil just sits back and goes, whoa, this is nice, let me tell you, you've got another thing coming. Every time you declare something in the spirit, if you need healing and you begin to declare healing over your life, let me tell you, there's a spiritual atmosphere that tries to stop that and contain you and put a lid on you. But our God is great. Our God is great. You know, if you read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, we read the story of this lady called Hannah. She was barren. The Bible says that year after year after year, she, she cried out. And, and because of her barrenness, you know, she just, she was contained. There was no blessing on her life. And, you know, every year they would go, her husband would take her to the temple for the, for the yearly sacrifice. And when she went to the temple, uh, it was run, it was overseen by Eli, a prophet. And the Bible says that Eli had become weak in his eyes. In other words, he had lost his prophetic edge. He'd become overweight and he, he would sit in the temple and he'd be sitting down at the front of the temple. And Eli created the, the spiritual atmosphere of the temple. And one day, the Bible says that when, when she went, when, when Hannah went to the temple, she was so, so grief-stricken because of her barrenness. Everybody, because Eli set the spiritual atmosphere and everybody would sit in the temple, but because of this incredible uh, desire in her heart to have a child, she stood up. And the moment she stood up, she broke the spiritual atmosphere, the spiritual status quo. Eli was shocked and told her to sit down and thought she was drunk. Let me tell you something. The moment you make a declaration, the moment you take a stand, the moment that you make a declaration that God is great and he wants to move through your life, let me tell you, you will, you will break the status quo. But you know what? Let it be broken for the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing we need to understand that every time that we step out, there is a resistance. It's not just a resistance to the spirit moving, but there's a defiance. There is a defiance to try and stop you from moving forward. Daniel chapter 10, you know the story, I think Charles alluded to it a little while back. In Daniel chapter 10, it talks about that the moment he began to pray, 
that God heard him. And if you read the actual scripture in Daniel 10, 13, it says the prince of Persia, uh, the, uh, sorry, that he said the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. But friends, let's keep pushing through because God is able to do amazing things. The third thing that happens when you make declarations and you begin to move in the promises of God, things will get worse before they get better. I don't know if we should amen at that point, but you know what I mean? But things, but I understand your heart on that. Things, friends, let me tell you, the moment you step into enemy territory, the moment you say, I'm going to take ground, the moment you say, hey, I'm going to declare the things of God, the promises of God over my life, just like Joseph, let me tell you, friends, as he began to open his mouth about the dreams that God gave him, all hell broke loose, things got worse. The reversal, literally, his brothers hated him. They wanted to kill him. Eventually, they sold him. He was put, literally, in a pit, and they wanted to kill him in that pit. One brother stood up and said, don't kill kill him and they sold him to Egypt there he was put in part of his house falsely accused let me tell you this this arrow was being pulled back and back and back and back and friends sometimes let me tell you sometimes the worst things get let me tell you the further God is going to shoot you forward if you are in the purposes of God trust God that he will bring you there things can get worse do you know medically it's proven that if you have if you actually have a wound or you have an infection and that you're given antibiotics, usually what happens is that actually your body, as, they, as the antibiotics begin to fight your body, things get worse. The infection, the fever just seems to rise until there's a breakthrough and healing comes. And that is so true for us as people who carry the purposes of God. So what do you do? What actually do you do if you're in a reversal? What actually should be your stance? What should be the place of your heart when you are in a reversal? The first thing that we need to understand is there is a bigger picture. There is a bigger picture. You know, there is a, a danger that sometimes when we're going through reversals that we get caught up in the pain and the crisis of the re reversal and the pain becomes our prison and we lose focus but we need to understand that God is up to something that there is a bigger picture at work and today I don't know if you are in a reversal I don't know if the declarations that you made this year over your life or that you've been making over your life or that you've been believing for maybe in your heart you are in that reversal let me tell you there is a bigger picture and don't get caught up in the moment of the pain don't get caught up in the crisis let me tell you that there's a real it's a easy to do that it's easy to just focus on the ground and on the things that are happening but the bible tells us to look up to where our help comes from there's a bigger picture romans chapter 8 verse 28 28 says this i love it, it says this and we know please hear this and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called to and for his purpose there's a bigger picture. Everything that you are going through, everything that is happening to you in your reversal is God, 
is going to use all those pieces that seem broken at the moment, all those pieces that seem scattered, God is going to use them to put the picture together. And when you see it, and sometimes it's funny because I have been in reversals and there are things in my life at the moment that are, are in reversals. But let me say this, every time I've walked through the reversal, I've come at it and I can see, now I can see what God was up to. And boy, when you get there, it is an incredible incredible feeling. The second thing very, very quickly is that reversals, the things that we need to understand is that reversals are a preparation and a test to prepare us for promotion and breakthrough and fulfillment of promise. Every single person that carries the promises of God, every single person that actually makes the declarations of faith, there is a preparation and a testing that we go through. In Psalm 105 verse 17 to 19, this is what it says about Joseph. It says this, and he sent, and, and he was sent a man, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons till the word of the Lord proved him true. Let me tell you, friends, that in your reversal, God is actually preparing you for a next level of anointing, of authority. He is preparing you to carry that purpose with great authority and also with great influence. Don't misinterpret and don't misunderstand that the very thing that is happening in your heart and the tests of your heart right now is actually your preparation for the next levels that God has for you. And it's important for us to understand that. The third thing, very, very quickly, and then I want to close with a story, is God is at work. He has not forgotten you. You know, sometimes when you're going through a crisis, sometimes when you're going through difficult times, you feel forgotten. Let's be honest, how many of you have ever felt like that? How many of you have ever been through some crisis and you felt like, you know what, I'm being forgotten. God has abandoned me. Let me tell you, God has a great memory and he's not forgotten you. Sometimes we feel forgotten. You know, one day I want to preach a message about the God who does not forget. God does not have Alzheimer's. God does not have some condition of the mind that stops him from remembering what who you are and what you're going through. And Joseph, we see Joseph, he comes to the prison. And he comes to the prison. And, you know, God brings these two people to him who come out of Pharaoh's court. The stories in Genesis chapter 40, verse 14. He, he brings a cupbearer and a baker who actually served Pharaoh. And they have dreams and Joseph interprets those dreams. And one, to one of them, to the baker, he says, well, things aren't going to go quite well for you. But to the cupbearer, he says, God is going to restore your place back to Pharaoh. He was the cupbearer. He would, he would taste the drinks of Pharaoh before he drank them to see if they were poisoned. Not a great job to have, but he had some special drinks. He said, when God restores you to that place, please remember me. Please remember me. Funny thing is when the cupbearer got restored, I think he was so overwhelmed and, and so thankful that he was free that he forgot Joseph for two years. Friends, let me say this to you. People might forget you, but God will never forget you. Don't think that right now with what you're walking through, don't think God has forgotten you. Don't think that God has abandoned you, but God is 
always constantly thinking about us. We are the apple of his eye and let me tell you, he is constantly in that place and thinking of us. In Philippians 1.6 is what it says, I'm confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work will carry it out until completion, until the day of Christ's return. Listen, you can have this confidence that the work that God has begun within you, the work that God has begun in this church, the work that God has begun at Hope Centre, the work that God has begun at Box Hill, the work that God has begun in our Victory Church, the work that God has begun in your own personal life, let me tell you, be confident of this one thing, that he who has started the work will finish the work. He is at work. Could you give God praise for that today? But let me finish with this one story because I pray that this one story will bring these thoughts together. About 15 years ago, my wife and I um, were asked to plant a church out of our mother church uh, in the city of Adelaide. We lived in Adelaide. And um, our pastor at the time, it was, a, it was a large church, it was about 3,500 to 4,000 people, had an incredible uh, apostolic prophetic um, mantle on the church. And we were commissioned and sent out with great words of encouragement, with great declarations of faith, and we were sent out to plant the city campus. We started with 40 people, and do you know, at the beginning what happens is you get excited. You know, whenever declarations are made, you get excited. It's a little bit like marriage and weddings. You go to a wedding and they declare these great things to each other and then the marriage begins. Who knows what I'm talking about? Sometimes the marriage goes into a bit of a reversal. Until you can work through that reversal and allow that reversal to build. Let me tell you, these patterns are right through our life. You make a declaration like Ryan and Christy did. Now, this is not, I'm not trying to curse anybody. It's just a reality of life. That's how you grow up. That's how you mature. It's through your reversals that you mature. Through your reversals that something happens in your heart. The reversals test to see who you are, what you've built on. If you're going to carry a promise, Joseph had to be, he had to be tested to see if he could carry this incredible call of God upon his life. You know, sometimes we think it's really easy, but, you know, in our Box Hill Church, we've got this, this doctor, he's a surgeon. Boy, I'm glad that they've tested that guy. I am so glad. Because if he hadn't been tested, there's no way I'm going to let him operate on me. So why do you think that carrying God's call and promise on your life should be something flippant? Why do you think that, you know... That you should just go, well, it's, it's been declared it's going to happen. You'll get tested. It's part of the process. I know right now, listen, I, I know what's ahead. I, I can see what God is doing. I, I, you know, revelation comes. He reveals things to your life. Our movement right now, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to our national conference. Our national leaders, and I've been asked to be one of them. I know some of the stuff that we're declaring over the future of our movement. It's very exciting. The declaration is the easy part. Is that we're going to be big enough to be able to carry what we've declared. We've made some declarations over this church. This church, this campus, is still in the infancy stage. It's only five, six years old. I want to tell you something. This campus is being called 
to prophetically and apostolically plant churches and plant, plant couples. We're going to be raising people up. And let me tell you, they won't just stay in Melbourne. But I can see that couples are going to go to different parts of Victoria and different parts of Australia and even different parts of the world. But to be that, God does take us through some reversals. Sometimes they happen in our own personal lives. Sometimes they happen in our churches. And here we were, we were planting this church. The declaration had come. We'd been prayed for. We got sent out. And you start with excitement. And then we, we, we met in this hall. It was a dance hall. I don't know, it must be all about dancing, John. There was this dance hall. By the way, Sue McMartin, McMasters, where is she? Man, can you dance? You are amazing. You, I was in shock. Your husband's hopeless, but you are incredible. Man, you, you might be sure you had some moves. I was like, I was thinking, man, incredible. I should get you up here one day. I was. So here we are. We're in this dance hall. And, um, you know, we're excited. There's about 40 of us. And on dance halls, they have polished floors, but because it was quite old, they let us put chairs on it. And um, as we're planting this church, there's another story that was parallel to us planting this church. There's a young man in our church, he and his wife were incredible young people. Uh, we were investing in them because we could see the call of God on their life. And not only were we investing in them, but, you know, there was this sort of couple that every prophetic ministry that came through targeted them. It yeah, doesn't matter where they sat, they just got targeted. They had so many prophecies, it wasn't funny. And, you know, when you get prophecies, you think, wow, let me tell you, I am not that keen to receive prophecy these, these days because I know the reversals that have to happen for you to carry the prophecy. And, and here I am, and so this couple were... So the reason I tell you the story is because they were parallel stories. As we are building the church and as we're planning this church, this couple is going through their own journey. And so what happened is, you know, we, we were told by the people in the hall, we, in this particular hall, we said, look, we've got to polish our floors. Can you go out for about three weeks and then come back? We found this other great auditorium. We thought, wow, this is fantastic. We'd love to stay here. They told us we could stay. It was a school. Uh, I won't tell you what denomination it was covered by, but it was a great school. We thought, fantastic. And um, only to find out three weeks later when we rang the, the old building to come back to the dance uh, theatre, they said to us, look, you can come back, but you can't put seats on the floors. And I thought, we're going to have the first church of the beanbag, you know what I mean? All beanbags and real hippie sort of looking church. And, and we said, look, we, we need chairs. You know, we've got some older people too. And they said, no, sorry, that's, that's the conditions. And we thought, okay, well, great, we'll, we'll lock in this other building. Only a bit to be told, sorry, you can't have this. So in one week, I lost two buildings. Talk about declaration. And let me tell you, I wasn't very happy. And um, I actually started arguing with God. Who, who's ever argued with God? Put your hand up. Who knows? It is absolutely useless trying to argue with God. I was saying, excuse me, God. It'd be really good if you help me here. I'm trying to build a church for you. It's your church. It's your building. It's called manipulation. Have you ever tried that with God? It doesn't work. Don't go there. We found out of desperation, Table College, let us have one of the rooms. I'll never forget it. It was upstairs. We had to carry all our gear up. The lift didn't work. Now, let me tell you the story. It took us two years before we found 
the building that would eventually become the building where we saw our church explode. Two years, in that two years, we moved to seven different buildings. So Uni Hill, we had it easy. Seven different, if I had known that when they made all those great declarations, I would have said, forget it, you can keep them. It's a bit like Moses. Do you think when Moses, when God says to Moses, go deliver my people, God never told him you're going to get resisted 10 times. I think if God sometimes tells us that there's going to be some reversals, we would, we would not do what he's asked us to do. And so while this is happening to me, this young man who was a very uh, successful businessman, he used to run his own security company. He makes a really stupid decision. You know, sometimes success can blind you of reality. And I can say the story today because God has restored him. I'd love to bring him here one day to tell the story. He made this really stupid decision and he had an affair with his, with his secretary. I'm right at the beginning of, of planning this church. He was one of the kids that we thought, one of the young men that we thought, wow, there's something on his life, he and his wife. And um, I was so disappointed. I was so disappointed. And his wife rang me one day and said, Pastor Nick, she says, look, I, I'm so confused. I, I still love him. I don't know what to do. He's wanting the car. What do I do? I said, look, you need to get legal advice. Uh, you need to be very careful because she was such a giving person. I said, you need to be careful that he doesn't take advantage of you. And with that, she hung up and about a day later, I get a phone call from him. He starts to abuse me, how I'm trying to help his wife. And let me tell you, I am spirit controlled, but there are some conversations that let me tell you, my Italian mafia spirit rises up quite strongly. And that was one of the occasions where this, this, this incredible sweet kid who carried the purpose of God, I could not believe what had happened. Let me tell you, some reversals come because of disobedience. Let me just clarify that. But there are reversals of God that shape us and make us, prepare us and promote us for the next levels of what God wants to do. I was so disappointed, but I've got my own journey. These, these stories are parallel. I've got my own journey and, you know, we go from one building to another building and every time I get a building, I'm disappointed. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me out of Joshua chapter 6. It says, and it starts like this, it says, Jericho was tightly shut. No one could come in and no one could go out. That's exactly how I felt. I felt like the city of Adelaide was totally shut. It was like there was such a spiritual stronghold. We just could not move. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you're going to go through seven, seven buildings. We were up to number four. And I was thinking, oh, Lord. Now, while this is happening, my wife was just like, you know, it, it's a real pain when you're going through a reversal and your wife is not helping you in the reversal. There's no sympathy. There's no empathy. And she's going, isn't this great? Isn't, can't you see what God is doing? And I said, no, I can't. As we're going along, all of a sudden, this young man, he, his life gets worse. He divorces his wife. After we pleaded with him, he divorced his wife. The amazing thing, his wife was an amazing, amazing person. She refused to give up on him. 
She refused. You know, we, we, you know, when you're divorced, it's like the final. It, that's it. It's all over. As far as, look, I'm sorry. As far as I'm concerned, it's over. We said to her, you need to get on. She goes, I just can't. She goes, I just believe God's going to bring him back. Wow, you want to talk about, you want to talk about faith and miracles and declaration? Let, let me tell you, this young lady, she just, she was incredible. And I was, I was the counselor. I was telling her, move on. And sometimes, sometimes things are final. But something in her spirit said, no, this young man, as soon as he divorces her, his business starts to go downhill. The girl that he had an affair with shuts the affair off, starts to turn on him. And now he finds himself in a hole. He is now in depression. He has now realized that he has made, it's like he woke up. He realized that the deception that had come over his life and he finds himself at his sister's place. He's now lost his business. He's just a security guard. He locks the door of his bedroom at his sister's place and he goes, God, I have so messed this up. There's no way back. And God, you most probably have abandoned me. How could you love me? God, how could you even think of me? He pulls out his gun and he puts it to his head because he's going to blow his head off. He's, he has ruined his life. When all of a sudden, there's a knock at the door. It's his four-year-old grand-nephew uh, uh, knocking at the door saying, let me in, I love you. Let me in, I love you. How many of you know God can use little children? Let me in, I love you. With that, he broke down crying. He threw his gun down. Opened the door, he grabbed this little kid. And I got the phone call about a day later. And you know, when I got the phone call, let me tell you, the Bible talks in Luke chapter 15 about prodigals coming home, that we should have our arms open. Let me tell you, when I got that phone call and I saw his name on my phone, let me tell you, I, I have to confess this, that my heart was not like the heart of the prodigal father. And he gets on the phone and his voice was quite trembly. I could tell that he was, he was not in a good place. And he began, and, and I was on the phone. I was telling you, I had judgmental thoughts. I had thoughts that thought, hmm, I told you. I tried to tell you. Let me, it didn't come out of my mouth, but I did think it. And I thought to myself, see, it serves you right. Don't be so holy and spiritual because you'll be the same. Look at you, you're all up there going, Pastor Nick, how could you? I'm just being honest with you. The Bible says there's a fight. And so you know what happens? I began to hear his heart. And I realized he'd come to his pig pen. He came to his pig pen. And he came and he says, can I come back to church? Can you please help me? Can you please help me? You know, my heart just broke for him. I said, please come. You know, myself and some of the other pastoral staff, we put our arms around, we began to cry with him. And here's the amazing thing. His wife did not give up on him. About six months later, he, you know, he went through counseling, restoration. I think it was about a year later. Guess what? He remarried his wife. I want to tell you, God is an amazing God when you put him first. And they got rid Now, I know it doesn't happen for everybody. And his wife was amazing. She had to go through her own counseling. She had to go through her own pain. But you know what? Let me tell you, uh, that this couple is together. They've now got three children. They've adopted a child. They are an amazing, an amazing couple. And God can restore the dreams of our failures. 
So what happened, I'm on this journey, I'm, and I'm still trying to build this church. We're going through another building. He happens, this young man happens to start his business again. It's like the favor of God just kicks in. Everything that had been stolen and taken away from him, God begins to restore. As he begins to restore it, he finds himself in this incredible, unique situation. In Adelaide, they, they have the royal show. They do it in Melbourne, I think in other states too. But in Adelaide, it's really a, quite a, a huge thing and they've got huge, great buildings. He happens to get the security contract for the royal show. They love him so much because he's saving them so much money that they give him an office for $1 a year. That's all he has to pay. He's got staff. They work out of there. He goes to their board meetings. I'm looking for a building. I'm on my sixth building and I'm still angry. And Missy over here is always smiling after every service. And I'm thinking, you do not understand the pain that I'm going through. Sixth building. And I talk to him one day and I say, I say, hey, is there any way, do you have any buildings? He goes, Pastor Nick, there's one that's about to come. He says, but it's literally, it is nearly impossible to get it. it it'd have to be a miracle. I said, I need a miracle. We just can't find a building. Nothing. It's like the city is just shut. I am in a total reversal of promise, of declaration. And he rings me. I didn't take the call, but he left a message on my phone. And he said, Pastor Nick, I can't come and negotiate on your behalf because there'd be a conflict of interest. But if you ring this guy, then I've already spoken to him about you. He's the general manager of the rental of the buildings and things like that. Hopefully you'll be able to get an interview, a, 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 an appointment with him and you'll be able to somehow do something. Let's pray that it's a miracle. So my wife and I, we, we play it back on our phone and this young man says, hey, you need to ring this guy called Grant Pickett and this is his number. My wife says to me, she goes, Grant Pickett. She goes, I think I went to school with a guy called Grant Pickett. Now, those of you who know where Meredith comes from, she comes from this little country town called Melrose. The, 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 the reality of that happening is like a needle in a haystack. I said to her, you, Meredith, I said, who would be, who would go to school, you know, in Melrose? I said, you only had, you've only got 250 people. There's more sheep than people there. I said, I am not going to put my neck out and ask him if he knows you. She goes, you should because I'm guaranteeing you that's the guy I went to school with. I'm in a reversal. I'm on my sixth building. We are desperate. We need a miracle. I ring up this guy called Grant Pickett. I thought, what have I got to lose? I thought, God, nothing seems to be working. I'm exhausted. I said, Grant, how are you? I said, you know, I told him about the young man who worked there. And I said, you know, he's introduced, he, he's given me your number. He says, yes, he's spoken to me. I said, Grant, before we talk about, you know, some negotiation, possibly that we can maybe work together. I, I said, listen, you, you didn't happen. You didn't happen to go to school in a place called Melrose, you know, in, in near the Flinders Ranges. He goes, yeah, I did actually. He goes, how do you know that? I said, you weren't in the same class as a girl called Meredith Bishop. He goes, Meredith Bishop? He goes, man, I have not seen her for years. He said, why do you ask? I said, well, I married her. And he said, you poor guy. Do you know? I thought, man, alive. That's exactly what he said. Little did I know that Meredith used to hound him because Grant Pickett was really, really smart 
And she'd always go to, Grant, can you help me with this? Grant, can you help me with that? Anyway, cut a long story short. We were in like Flint. It was literally, I took Meredith to the first appointment. I thought, this might help. I said, is it going to help? Who knew? Did you know we landed in this building that no one else could get? The reversals of God got restored. The the journey of this young man, one was in disobedience, one was in destiny, and yet God works all things for good for those who love God. You know what, friends? If you're in a reversal, please, please hear me. Keep your eye on the bigger picture. Do you know, everything that you're going through right now is part of the puzzles that God's putting together. One day when the restoration happens and when you come to that place of destiny, when you come to that place where the fulfillment of the dream and the promise that you carry, whether you're carrying it for your kids, whether you're carrying it for your family, whether you're carrying it for healing, whether you're believing for one child or two children or three children, whether you're believing it for your church, whether you're believing it for your community, let me tell you, every little piece, every piece of pain, every tear that you have cried, God bottles it and will use it to refresh the next season of your life. Would you stand to your feet right now? Would you give God a big hand of praise and thank Him for His word? Keep your eye on the bigger picture. Understand that God is preparing and testing you so you can carry the next level. And number three, remember this, God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you in your journey. But He, at the right time, will raise up and put together the situations. And one day you're going to look back. Do you know it's amazing? Testimonies are fantastic because they are the declaration that you passed the test. And I'll, I'll never forget, I'll never forget standing in that building when we got our church in that building and everybody was applauding, everybody was, was you know, really caught up in this, this incredible situation that God had brought us in. Can I just say this to you? I remember and I was thinking to myself, God, how can I doubt you? How can I not believe that you are a faithful God. How can I, how can I, the way that this happened, God, was an absolute miracle. Do you know this building went through a reversal? We stand here today, this, this building to get us here, this, there was a reversal, it was huge. I remember in, being in that reversal and for a week I was in a dark place and God reminded me, if I've done it before, I'll do it again. If I've done it before, I'll do it again. If I've done it before, I'll do it again. God is the God that does it again and again and again and again. I just wonder, every eye closed just for a moment, if you're in a reversal right now, I just want you to lift your hand towards heaven. Could you do that for me right now? There's hands going up everywhere. Just put your hands up really high. Just, Just allow the Holy Spirit, just for a moment, allow the Holy Spirit just to come, just to come and clear just those barriers in your mind and in your spirit 
Because I want to tell you, when you're in a reversal, man, doubt and fear and all these things come and they begin to invade us. But I, I want to tell you right now that God is at work. That every situation you're going through, every challenge that you're going through, God is going to use those pieces to rebuild the walls and rebuild and build that dream. Father, I pray right now, if I could have the music team come. Father, I pray, come on with your hands. Come on, everybody, just for a moment. Just lift your hands to towards heaven. Let the Spirit of God just breathe upon us. Let the Spirit of God just breathe upon us just for a moment and just receive. Let that word today, if that word has been for you today, let that word not just be an encouragement, but let that word today begin to just bring you faith and confidence to know God has not forgotten you. At your appropriate time, God will appoint and release what he has on you. Can we just begin to sing that song just for a moment? Just let the Holy Spirit just come and breathe upon us.